0: If you have your Bibles, I'd invite you to take them out, or if you use your device, scroll with me to uh, Ephesians chapter 2. We are in the middle of a series called Fruitology, Organic Life in the Spirit, where we're kind of unpacking two verses that Paul wrote to the church in Galatia, um, where he speaks uh, about the fruit of the Spirit love, joy, peace, patience. and um, So I just wanted you to know, um, well, this past Thursday we had our board meeting, and um, right before I could even kick it off, one of, one of your board members made a motion, I'm not going to mention any names, um, but they made a motion that I was no longer, I would never be privileged again to preach here on patience. <laughs> That's what we talked about last week. I think it passed uh, unanimously, and it, we'll, see how go, we'll see how that goes. But if it comes up in the book, you know, I kind of feel like there's an obligation. But anyway, uh, I have enjoyed this week seeing some pictures of uh, your challenges, as, you know, the challenge was to find a long line and stand in it as a way of learning and cultivating patience in your life. And so I've received a couple pictures. It's awesome. Probably what thrills my heart is that you listen to what the Lord is trying to tell you on, on Sunday mornings and put it into practice in your daily life. And, and uh, so that's just awesome for me. So these, these are the words of the text that I want to read today. We're, we're jumping in. Uh, we're at the place where we're at kindness and goodness. And they're like twin fruit. I mean, the, the Greek word is almost indistinguishable from one another, and not, they're interchangeable for the most part. Um, would you stand? I'm going to read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, and our primary focus will, will be uh, verses 4 through 7 and, and verse 10, is really what I want to talk about today. These are the words of Paul. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air the spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient all of us uh, also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts like the rest we were by nature deserving of wrath so paul's kind of painting a, a before picture of, of finding jesus as our savior through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It's the word of the Lord. You say, thanks be to God. You can be seated. Kindness and goodness, both are uh, expressed to us in in that passage right there. And you know, if I was trying to put what I want to tell you into, you know, just a phrase or, or, or a sentence, it would, it would be something like, uh, God is kind to us so that we will be kind to other people. God is kind to us. He expresses, he demonstrates his kindness in order that we would uh, express similar kindness to other people. You might also say that God's kindness is uh, intended to soften our hearts. God's kindness uh, is intended to bring us to repentance. Um, And if you consider that in the way that we want to look at it, if, if God's kindness is there so that we would be kind to others, God's kindness is intended to soften our hearts. And so our kindness to other people would also have a similar effect, not necessarily to bring folks to repentance, but, but sometimes you can be in a, an adversarial relationship where there are people who are just a you, or who have been mean to you, a bully at school, a bully at work, somebody who's just not nice, an act of kindness, kind of goes the same way. God's kindness to us softens our hearts so that it brings us to repentance and back into relationship with God. So when we are kind to other people, it has the same kind of softening effect. Barriers that might exist between us begin to come down brick by brick. Hearts are softened through acts of kindness. Now now these two words, kindness and goodness that Paul lists in the fruit of the spirit are, like I said, almost interchangeable. But he does list them both, and so there must be some way to differentiate uh, between the two. And so here's here's my thought on this: kindness is an inner disposition that we have, or that the spirit grows in us. Um, which delights in cheerfully promoting the happiness and well-being of other people. So we kindness is a disposition that leads us to be compassionate, to have compassionate feelings, to want the best for somebody else. And, and then you get to goodness, and goodness is what puts kindness to action. So kindness, think of it as a disposition, and goodness, think about it as the application of kindness. It puts kindness to, to work in the world. And so, together, if we, if we look at them together, um, they are genuine care for others and our love in action, treating others as we ourselves would want to be treated. And so, that gets us right around to what we know as the golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you. When you put kindness and goodness together, that's exactly what you have. Paul writes in other places, in Philippians 2, he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Kindness is humbly giving of ourselves in love and mercy to other people. Kindness and and goodness. So when you think about kindness, what, what comes to mind? Do you think of... A card that you get in the mail from a friend that may have an encouraging word at just the right moment? Do you think it's a, a shoulder to lean on in a time of need? Uh, is it a call offering air conditioning on a brutally hot day? Is it, well, what is it for you? For me, kindness, I think about days where I'm working at the kitchen table or around the house. Um, studying and preparing the message, and, and one of my three lovely ladies, Lisa, Nicole, or Kaylin, will say, you know what, it will be a good idea if we made some chocolate chip cookies. I mean, that's a great idea of kindness. That's one of the things that comes to mind when, when I think about it. But whatever you think about, whatever it is, it, it most likely includes a, a warm, fuzzy kind of a feeling, doesn't it? Kindness just does that. When we're kind, uh, others get to experience that warmth. And whether they realize it or not, they're, they're experiencing some of God's character through you. And so God demonstrates kindness to us. And you know, that's kind of the middle section of our text, verses four through seven. God demonstrating his kindness to us in the person of his son, Jesus Christ. And so, as a way to illustrate those verses, I, I like finding ways to illustrate scripture with other scriptures. And so, there's some teachings of Jesus that I want to touch on this morning. And one, one story when we're talking about God's kindness to us is, is found in, in Matthew. Chapter twenty, verses one through sixteen, and it kind of gives us this distinct picture of the kindness of God. And you know the story; you've heard it before. I've preached on this text before. It tells the story of this employer, this this guy who's looking for help in his vineyard, and so he goes down to the unemployment office at you know the crack of dawn, and he's he's got to find workers for the day. So. And you know, he shows up there and he's like, you, 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 and you, um, would you work in my vineyard today? Well, sure, we're looking for work. He's like, okay, I, I will pay you this. Takes him off, gets him to work. Well, about 9 o'clock in the morning, he, he, he looks at it around and he's like, wow, there's so much work. There's, these guys aren't going to get done. And so he goes back to the unemployment office, hires some more people, puts them to work. Well, noon, he goes back. He's like, we've we got to get this job done today. So he goes and gets more workers, and he has several times, I think five times in the text, the guy goes back to the unemployment office, gets workers, all the way up until like an hour before quitting time. So at the end of the day comes, as, as the light is fading and the day is ending, he, he lines everybody up, and, and he's going to distribute the paychecks for the day. So he goes to those who were there the whole day. I mean, it was like a hot day. And They worked hard. He, he gives them the wage that they had agreed upon. Goes to the next group, gives them the same amount. Then the next group, same amount, full day's wage. Gets all the way down to the end of the line, and by now I think there's probably a little bit of a murmur. Grumble. is not the right word, grumble. Well, it, it's not fair. Gets to the, 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 the folks who have only worked an hour, he pays them a full day's wage. And then somebody just blurts out, well, hey, that is not fair. It's not fair. We've been working all day long. We've done the bulk of the work. And those yahoos there, they've only only put in an hour. And all they did is they just came in and, you know, just swept up here and swept up there. We did all the hard work. And it's not fair that you would pay them the same amount. And the employer, he says, well, wait a second. Didn't we agree at the beginning of the day that I would pay you this amount for a day's work? Yeah. And am I not allowed to be generous to whom I want to be generous? Isn't it not, you know, my decision and my right to be able to be generous with what I have? Well, we don't really get a response from those workers, but what we what we do get is this picture of unexpected radical generosity that's crazy to most people when you think about it it's just not right but that that's what god's goodness looks like to you and i when you think about the kindness that we have received from god the goodness that he has lavished upon us in sending jesus to pay the price for our sins which you know, there's no way that we deserve death and we have the opportunity to get life. That's what God's goodness looks like. The Bible tells us a lot about who God is, cover to cover. We hear things like 1 Chronicles 16, give thanks to the Lord for He is good the psalmist writes in a couple places, taste and see that the Lord is good. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. Why? For the Lord is good and his love is eternal and his faithfulness endures for all generations. You know, I remember when Moses was, he was wanting to know more about God and he pleaded with God uh, to show him some of his glory. To see, Moses said, I want to see you as you really are. Show me as much as I can stand, Lord. And so Exodus chapter 33, um, you know, God says, okay, okay, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. God showed him something so wonderful and so accessible that it caused Moses' face to just shine, to to glow with the radiance of God's presence. God showed Moses his goodness, and he wants to do the same for you and for me. And God acts out of his character. God acts out of this goodness. The psalmist writes, you are good, and you do what is good. God acts out of his compassion and his kindness, and he extends his mercy and his generosity. Through his son Jesus, and, and that might be the greatest and most complete picture of kindness and goodness that we'll ever know. God saw a whole lot of hurt and brokenness and despair. He looks around and he sees people struggling and in need, lost and without hope, and he sends Jesus to the rescue. There, there wasn't a logical reason for him to do that no one deserved or, or deserves his kindness. We kind of really brought this whole sin thing on ourselves but i 'm really thankful that god doesn 't treat us how our sins would call for God demonstrates his kindness to us, and, and our response to that kind to god 's kindness to us is to extend And be people of kindness and goodness to others. Verse 10 in our text says, For we are God's handiwork. We are newly created when we come to Christ Jesus. And we're newly created for a purpose, and that is to do good things, to show kindness and goodness to other people. And, you know, I have to go back and and look at what Jesus has to say about something like this. And, And it takes me back to... A story that's very familiar in our scriptures we know it as the parable of the, the good Samaritan and it's found in Luke chapter 10 and verse 25 and following and and the picture that I get um, is this there's this guy expert in the law so I think he already knows the answer to the question He's trying to justify himself. So he goes up to Jesus and he says, What good thing, what goodness, what kindness must I show, what goodness must, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? How do I get saved, Jesus? How do I experience all of this teaching that's going on and you're talking to us about the kingdom of heaven? How do I, how do I get in on that? What good thing must I do? And Jesus says, hey, well, What's written in the law? What do you know about this? And and the, the man answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He even put the tagline on there, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, hey, that's a great answer. Do this and you'll live. Well, apparently that wasn't a good enough response. He knows the law, he knows what's required, and yet he wants to test it a little bit further. He wants to justify himself. He wants to find some wiggle room, I think, and he says, who is my neighbor? In other words, who deserves my goodness? Who deserves my kindness? And Jesus, he tells the famous story that we know, Parable of the Good Samaritan, about this guy who was attacked. He was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. And uh, we just learned that he was robbed, he was beaten, he was left for dead, laying there in the ditch. And, and Jesus talks about three people who come upon this, this guy left for dead. And, and the first is, is a priest. And you'd think a priest, you know, would be a compassionate soul, but the priest wasn't really worried about the guy in the ditch as much as protecting himself, and so he sees the guy there, and, and he, comes, he walks across the street and passes by. And then Jesus says there, there was a Levite that also came upon, and also a person who, who probably should have responded, but he was worried about himself too, and so he comes over here, and he passes by on the, the other side of the road. See, these first two guys... They looked at the situation and wondered and worried about what would happen to them if they intervened. But the third person, the Samaritan, looked at the situation and wondered what would happen to this one if he did not intervene. And so a Samaritan in these parts would be hated. He would be an enemy. If the Samaritan was the one that was laying to die in the ditch, most everybody would pass by. Many would probably spit on them on their way by. That's how much a Samaritan would have been hated in these parts. And you have, to, you have to feel the weight of that tension between the Jews and the Samaritans. They hated each other. So if the Samaritan was in the ditch, he's going to die. Yet out of his kindness, out of the compassion... Jesus says he felt compassion in his soul. And out of his compassion, he was moved to goodness. I have to do something good. I need to care for this person. And so we learned that, that he helped this man, bandaged his wounds, took him to an inn, paid for his expenses, even offered to say, if, if you incur even more expenses, I'll be back through these parts on another day and I will settle up with you. That's the picture that Jesus paints to this expert in the law who wants to know what good thing, what kindness he must show, and who he must show it to. And Jesus says, um, which of these three showed kindness? Which of these three was a good neighbor? And, and of course, it's an obvious answer. And the man says, well, the one who showed mercy and kindness. And, and Jesus just looks, I mean, this was probably a laser beam kind of look. Go and do likewise. Wow. So as I was reading the story through the lens of kindness and goodness, I I was thinking about how often we try and look for wiggle room to weasel our way out of the responsibility of doing what Jesus wants us to do. And you know what, when we try and figure out ways to avoid being kind, we kind of stifle and stunt the growth of the fruit of the Spirit that Paul is talking to us about. You know, when we judge other people and, and you know, to try and figure out whether or not they are worthy of, of receiving our compassion and help, when, when we count the cost of, you know, how much it's going to cost us financially, when we start to worry about, well, if I help them, I don't know if I'm going to have enough for me. When we stop and we say, you know what, I gotta count the time because this this really throws a monkey wrench in my schedule, and I don't, I I just might be too busy to stop. I you know I gotta get on with you know what's what's going on. When we worry about not having enough, when we think that helping somebody just may be too risky, I might be putting my safety in jeopardy here. Those are things that kind of stunt the growth of kindness and goodness. And when you think about them, they all boil down to being selfish in nature. I think Jesus would challenge us on these points. See, we tend to keep a list. We tend to keep the list of people that we're willing to display goodness and kindness to. It's kind of a short list. Family well, most family, Um, friends, close friends. Once in a while, you might see something on the news or hear something in in church, and there might be some cause or or need that just kind of pulls on your heartstrings, and, you know, know I probably should step into that one. But for most of us, the list is is kind of short. And when we do this, we're we're trying to excuse ourselves like the expert in the law from Jesus' command to, to love other people. And that's, I think, what makes the story of the Samaritan sting so much. This guy who was in enemy territory, if he were in the ditch, he would have been left. And yet he demonstrated radical generosity and, and kindness. You know, it's, it's fairly painless to do nice things for people we get along with, but to do nice things for people who get on our nerves or, or those who are downright mean or... You know, showing kindness is, isn't typically our first response to some folks. And Jesus would challenge that. You know, kindness isn't uh It kind of get us to an application point. Kindness is not a really controversial sermon for a pastor to preach. You know, I've never heard of one of my colleagues, you know getting chastised for preaching a sermon on being more kind to other people. Just as as, if it's happened, I don't know of it. The kindness that God has in mind, it's not random. It's sustained. You've heard of random acts of kindness. But what God has in mind isn't random. It's intentional. It's not a occasional act, but a consistent character that God wants us to, to develop. That's the spirit of the, 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 the fruit of the spirit of kindness and goodness. Our love is, is uh, exemplified by these characteristics, not once in a while, but as we grow and as we age and as we mature more and more consistently. Um, Kindness and goodness aren't really difficult concepts for us to understand, and and I think that's really really the challenge. See, it's not the things in the Bible that I don't understand that bother me the most. The, The passages that get me the most are the ones that make statements that are impossible for me to misunderstand. I mean, the ones that are just blatantly straightforward. Those are the hardest ones for us to deal with, I think. They bother us the most because we can't wiggle out of them. Consistently practicing kindness and goodness is the key. I, I have the privilege of, of working with our Boy Scout troop. And as boys enter into uh, the Boy Scout troop, uh, to achieve their first rank of tenderfoot, they have to... Uh, They're required to learn and memorize the scout oath, the scout motto, and there's this thing called the scout slogan, which is, do a good turn daily. And a good turn means to look for ways each day to help others without expecting anything in return. It's more than simply displaying good manners. It's a special act of kindness. It was a good turn daily that actually got Boy Scouts over to the United States. It started in England, and there was a guy named uh, William Boyce, who was a business, an American businessman, who was over in, in England. It was a foggy night, and he was kind of lost. And a, a boy came up and said, "Hey, could I help you out?" And, and and Boyce said, "Yeah, I'm trying to get to this place," and and the boy took him right there. And uh, Boyce wanted to give him a little bit of money for his troubles, and and the boy said, "No." Uh, I, I don't need anything, it's, I, I should do this, I'm, I'm a scout. And Boyce wanted to know more about the scouting, and so he, he investigated, he re- researched and figured out and learned about this thing called Boy Scouts, and, and uh, eventually he and a group of colleagues and, and other business people, they, they brought Boy Scouts and launched it on February 8th in 1910 in the United States. You know, nobody really knows what happened to this young boy who gave him the directions but the small act of kindness that he showed will never be forgotten. In fact, it's been multiplied millions and millions of times over. And like many acts of kindness, it's small things that go a long way. Mother Teresa, she said, small things done with great love will change the world. You might not do something today that will change The world, you might, but you might change somebody's world. Uh, I've got a kindness challenge for you. Uh, One proverb says that a gentle answer turns away wrath. It's also true that an act or, or response of kindness can yield the same results. And so I want you to take time this week... To scheme and to dream and make a plan of how you can intentionally be kind to other people. Maybe it's to your spouse, maybe it's to another family member, maybe it's to a friend or a stranger or someone who you just don't get along with. The point is that we want to be intentional and not random. You all know that, um, that I like coffee, right? A couple times a week, uh, I take the Dutch March, as I've named it. And that is uh, a walk from my office around the corner over to Dutch Bros. And it's kind of fun, because I've gotten to know the employees over the last uh, couple years. And, and uh, when, when you go to Dutch Bros, they give you these little cards, like this. And so every purchase, you get a little stamp. And when you fill up the card, you know their incentive programs, you, get, you buy 10, you get one free. Well, I'm like the simplest coffee order in the world. I get a small quad Americano. It's like two bucks. So when I fill up a card, it's not worth it for me to use a free thing for you know my small quad Americano. So my intentional practice is when I fill these up, I give them away. Um, sometimes I give them to my kids. Sometimes, you know, friends. My favorite is when, you know, I fill one up while I'm there and, and then just hand it to somebody in, who's in their car in line. Because uh, you know, it kind of takes them totally by surprise. Like, why are you doing that? Like, well, because I want to. And, you know, it's a moment of surprise. It's a moment of joy. And, and it blesses me, as I think, as much as it blesses them. But it's, it's not a random act. To them, it seems random. But for me, it's intentional. Every time I fill these up... I give them away. And so um, I was going to try and find a volunteer in here this morning to, to help me out, but I kind of decided that um, I really appreciate those who are on the video team. And so uh, Christina happens to be on the rotation today, and so Christina, I have a deal for you this week. I, I, have a full, I actually have two full cards, and so I'm going to give you one. I want you to enjoy it. The deal is that you have to give the other one away, a total stranger. Is that a deal? All right, and then the second part of the deal is I want to hear about your experience. And so, you know, it's simple things. It doesn't have to be big, humongous kinds of things, but just find simple, small ways where you can invest kindness and goodness into the lives of other people. And so maybe as you're leaving here today, you could could, um, maybe make a list of like 25 ways that you could be kind to somebody. It could be a compliment that's not flattery, but just something to brighten somebody's day. It could be saying something nice to people in line. When you go to the store and you're standing in the longest line and you have the smile on your face, when you get up to the cashier, find some way to compliment them or say something nice about uh, about what they're doing. Interact with strangers instead of just walking by. Look them in the eye. Say hello. Open doors. Help them carry something. Sit and talk with people who clearly need somebody to talk to, but make a list. The more you think about showing more kindness, the more your daily life will be impacted by that kind of thinking. Don't, don't squander opportunities for kindness. They often come around several times a day if you're paying attention. You've got to be ready for them. Because when you're ready for them, then you can step into them and make the most of them. But don't worry. If if you miss one, make a conscious no and say, you know what, i got to do better next time. I mean, kindness matters. Goodness matters. Compassion without action is absolutely worthless. And the people of God, those who are allowing the Holy Spirit to do the work in their hearts and in their life, will grow. The fruit of the Spirit, which is love, and that love is going to look like kindness and goodness. So let's strive to be people who respond in the moment with kindness and goodness, remembering that we take our cue from God, who showed kindness to us first, so that we would show kindness to others. The people of God said, Amen.